0: From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. Hey, We've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to dive back in there. Uh, Every once in a while, uh, we we happen into Scripture. For me, I'll just tell you the truth, this one... This one's a hard one for me to teach. How many have used self-loathing and maybe negative self-talk to drive yourself in life? Really? There's that few of us in the room? Yeah, like, you know, that, that sense of driving ourselves out of our own irritation with who we are and, and speaking very negatively to ourselves, and if I'm if I'm gonna be really transparent. That's been a, it's just been a really close friend for me. A fairly driven human being, used the way I view myself as the fuel to get there a lot of times. But we happen upon a passage of scripture today, um, David Mitchell and I were talking about it because we, with the teaching team we talked through it and he just had this phrase and I'll probably butcher it, but he's like, you know, sometimes the right thing is just to, just to honor that brokenness because it kind of got you here but be willing to let it go because God wants to grow you someplace else. And the picture is, you know, if our three-year-olds, my sons had blankets that they carried all the time, and I thought my wife was the cruelest human being that had ever been born because she would just randomly cut them in half until she had weaned them off of these blankets. And my heart was like, they love this blanket. You just cut it in half. What's that? Oh, so she could have a clean one and a dirty one, so it was efficient. but the real truth was for a two-year-old or a three-year-old to walk around with their with their blanket or as my oldest called it his beat um it was appropriate but had he not been weaned off that as a 15 year old young man with his with his blanket in his hand it would have been a little awkward and we all see the Peanuts character linus who's who's far too old to still carry his blanket because he didn't have that loving mom who would cut it in half And so sometimes it's worth honoring the mechanisms that we used, healthy or unhealthy, to say, you know what, it got me here, but I do feel like God's calling for that to stop. And so in 1 Corinthians 12 here, we encounter a passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is doing just that. He's basically saying to this young Corinthian church, you've used this thing through your history, but I kind of need you to stop. And he's going to explain to them why. So we're going to dive in, I'm going to read it to us, and then we'll just talk through it a little bit. Um, I've shared with you before, my tendency is to want to preach everything, and I don't think this is a preach, I think this is a conversation. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now that you'd be with us and help us. Lord, I feel it, I feel it in me as a man, I feel it in us as a culture, that there's something you're calling for us to grow up in, somewhere we would put away maybe childish things. And we'd step into that, that next phase of maturity as a people. And Lord, that can't be something that we're cajoled into through teaching. It has to be something you reveal. So Holy Spirit, we just give you room and permission this morning to work on our hearts, to work on our minds, to work on our, our, our psyche. Help us see what you want us to see. Bring revelation. You are the guide. You are the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, but the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up only one body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, and some are Gentiles, and some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into Christ's body by one spirit. We've all received that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part, and Paul will use this phrase interchangeably, the human body and one body, and it's the word soma in the Greek, and it the word soma, when it's referring to a person, is dealing with the flesh and blood, the skin. When it's, when it's dealing with the body of Christ, the word in, in its origin literally means a large group united into a close society. And so he's creating an, an obvious understanding for us that we can look at our physical body and the way it's put together and understand that God did the same kind of thing with the body of Christ. He uses the word baptize, which means to immerse into, and it's an interesting word for us. It's one that I think we need to consider because at times I think we would probably view ourselves as having accidentally landed somewhere. But the word baptize means to immerse into. It's an intentional idea. It's actually the root idea in the Greek is connected to the idea of pickling. If any of you have ever canned anything, you understand that to, to create pickles, you take a, a cucumber and you put it into a solution and that solution brines it and it, it penetrates it and, and what happens is on the other side of that time, after X amount of days in that, what comes out is no longer a cucumber, it's now a pickle. And this is the word that Paul will use to talk about us being placed into the body of Christ, that we, don't, we didn't just randomly happen to show up in a gathering, but, but there's an intentionality in the heart of God to place us where we are. And then Paul will go on and, and says, hey, the body has many different parts, not just one part, and it seems like an interesting highlight. It's like, no duh. But the word means that, it's a word that's connected to belonging together but being different. So there's a plurality, which means that we don't have to be identical He says, if the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I am only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? Or if your whole body were just one big ear, how would you smell anything? But God made our bodies with many parts and he's put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Now, obviously, Paul's not trying to give an anatomy lesson. He's not trying to really tell us how the physical body's made up. So we know it's not it's not literal. It's allegorical. Okay, so if it is literal, let me just prove that. How many of your feet have a mouth? You tracking with me? He's definitely making, he's trying to create a word picture, right? If we're going to understand this scripture for what it's really saying, we need to ask the question, like, what's going on here? I just want to highlight something. The foot is talking to itself. The ear is talking to itself. What does that represent? What is that symbolic of? Any thoughts? Louder. You all got chicken. Louder. Louder. Our own self-talk, exactly, self-talk. The hard part for me, I shared that this is a hard teaching for me because there's an aspect of this that makes me feel like an absolute liar to teach it. Because I know what the scriptures say, I know what Paul's dealing with, but in my own personal history, maybe you're like me, I've used some really negative self-talk to push myself into things in life. And that worked for a while, but here we are with Paul talking to this young Corinthian church and listen to the language that the foot and the ear are saying. I am not because, and if I were, I would. I don't belong because I blank. And Paul's response to them is kind of just honest. He's like, that's really silly. And he goes on to explain that your differences matter to God. They're unique. He placed you. He put you into this family of God. Can you hear that this morning? You are unique. You are an intentional design. It's very easy for us to align with the, if I stood here and said, you need to be better, you'd be like, yes, I do, you're right. But for me to say you are unique and you are an intentional design, there's an instant pushback that says I'm not comfortable with that. And we want to offer all the, but you don't know this about me, and you don't know this about me, and you don't know this about me. And Paul's statement of this young Corinthian church is, is an effort to say to them, God made the body and it was intentional. So what's he getting at? That's my question. I think he's getting at something that is a human issue. It's a tendency in us, and it's dangerous. That we tend to define our value through comparison. We tend to define our value through comparison. You see, comparison causes me to look at myself and try to find the similarities in me to what I see in somebody else that's, that, that is attractive to me. I love their, their spirit. I love their gifting. And, well, do I see that in me? Or, and at times it causes me to overlook the very things in me that are unique and different and almost despise them because I begin to feel negative because I, I'm not, and this is what the foot is doing here. You know, the foot is essentially saying I would, I would, be, mo- I would be better if I was this and the problem is, by saying that, the foot saying what I am isn't enough. And comparison is always rooted in a negative self-talk and a negative self-image. The problem with it is that it leads us to begin to evaluate ourselves based on how we feel instead of truth. Can I, can I give us a simple, simple, simple idea? Because I feel it doesn't mean it's truth. We tend to evaluate ourselves by how we're received by others. For some of us, it goes so sinister to how we feel about ourselves is defined by the way the mirror responds, or how many likes we got on Instagram. Or than anybody thought our tweet was composed so eloquently that they would retweet it. And all of a sudden, the social media world begins to define my sense of value. And I, the problem with that is comparison leads me to begin to create a false self that can be embraced by the world around me instead of embracing the true self. What Paul's really teaching here is an important idea. How you see yourself actually matters to your father how we see ourselves matters to our Father. Because Paul says about our Father that He puts each of us where He wants us. And what He gets to the root of is a lot of us really believe we don't uniquely matter to God. We're just a number, just one of the sheep. And we have this picture, instead of Father God, we have a picture of Farmer God. And it's like we're the sheep going through the pen, and he's just numbering us. As long as nobody's missing, he's good. But he doesn't really want to know us, and we don't really have any value other than we produce wool. And we've exchanged the father heart of God that is intimate and concerned and wants to know who we are, wants to build relationship with us, wants to whisper into our lives, wants to hear our hearts, wants to grow us and coach us. We've exchanged that for a farmer God that just wants to kind of provide for us and take care of us and expects us to do our job. And I understand farmer God's a really dumb phrase, but it's really the picture. We exchange the intimacy of, of the Father for just a herdsman. And the problem with that, from Paul's point of view, is if that tendency's not corrected in us, then we're never going to be able to rise up and become the unique us that we're supposed to be because that's his whole story to this Corinthian church. You're unique, you're different. That was intentional. And you being fully you is important to the body of Christ being fully itself. There's a concern I see with comparison. It actually keeps my eyes focused outside of me and it never allows me to really partner with the Holy Spirit to deal with the things that he wants to grow in me. The place is dishealth that he wants to coach me in. Because I'm always looking outside trying to become somebody else. Or I've always had, I have a, a point of view on myself that what's in me isn't, isn't, doesn't matter, so I need to become like this person, and I need to become like this person. And I can never really deal with the areas that God wants to deal with in me. I'd love to give you an idea to s- consider that your function in the body of Christ is linked to how you see yourself. And if that's true, church, we need to get healthy. We need to get a healthy perspective on who we are. You say, how do I do that? How do I get a healthy perspective on who I am? We have to learn to adopt the perspective of the Father every time we would lean into self-loathing. Every time we find ourselves negatively speaking against ourselves, driving ourselves, every time we, we feel ourselves just... Having that, I'm not, I would be if I was, but I'm not. We have to stop and find the perspective of the Father. And see, the problem with that is the only place I know how to find the perspective of the Father is I have to have developed and created a space in my life to hear His voice. A secret place, a place of encounter, the place that I can run to when I feel that tendency rise up and just go, I need to hear you again. Here's how I'm feeling about me. Here's, how, here's, here's the way I'm looking at myself. I'm just crying out, would you whisper into my life? We have to be willing to refuse to accept the life that a broken self-image will bring. And a lot of us have allowed brokenness to lead us into addiction or lead us into control nature habits or lead us into places of Dishealth. We have to be willing to just say, hey, "You know what, That is not who my father created me to be." He created me to be healthy, created me to rise up. He created me to be a son or a daughter that reflects his image. And that causes me to have to get on my face and get alone with him and invite him into those broken places. They talk about creating space and carving out space. I don't know how to do that also without saying we have to have the scripture informing our identity instead of how we feel. You see, because the scriptures say you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the declaration of God over you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're all uncomfortable if I put you on the spot and said, stand up and declare it, I am wonderfully made. All of you would be like, that freaks me out, I'm not doing that. But I said, st- if I said, stand up and just say, you know what, I'm a broken person that needs help, you'd be like, yeah, I could do that, that's true. Because it's hard for us to identify with, that, with the reality that our Father has set over us. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. But I'm not, per- that's what the foot's doing here, but I'm not. And if I were, and, and the statement that Paul makes to this young church is, time out, stop. You have a father that's walking through life with you, wants to be in the journey with you, helping you move towards health, yes. But he knows who he's created you to be. He knows that the body of Christ that he's put you in needs you to be fully functional, completely you. Isaiah 45 says this What sorrow awaits for those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? You see, when I'm willing to beat myself up through comparison, it's no different than saying to the creator, you have no idea what you were doing. I should have been like this. You should have made me like this instead of just saying, you know what, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I want to be everything you've called me to be. I want to rise up in my day and in my time and be fully the person you've called me to be. I want to be the brother and sister you've called me to be. I want to be the friend you've called me to be. I want to be the minister you've called me to be. What is that, Lord? Oh, open door? Cool, I can open doors and smile. You've called me to do that? Love it. You see, our self-image begins to affect what we give away to the world. I know that when we talk about self-image, it hits a lot of us in a very, very tender place. I do not think we walk through this scripture, call it out, and we're all fine. Can I invite us? Give the Holy Spirit room to start speaking to this. And if the Holy Spirit highlights stuff, and you come out of it going, I do have a really poor self-image. I need to get some, some coaching, some help that we have the courage to step into those places. Maybe it looks like counseling. Maybe it looks like prayer ministry. Somebody just praying over you. Maybe it looks like getting a sozo session or just getting some prophetic prayer. I don't care. Just having the willingness to say, my Father wants me healthy because He believes in me. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to pray us out of here and let you go because our time is up. But we have teams at the back corners of the room and maybe you're here and you're like, hey, this hit me pretty hard. I, need, I would like somebody to pray with me. We want to make room for that. Just want to make time for that. Please, please, please do not hear this as more self-loathing. Here it is an invitation from our Father. Here, I want every single one of us in this room to hear our Father say this over us. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. You're my child, and I put you where you are for a reason because I love you as you are, and I'm with you in this journey. Holy Spirit, we just declare that over this house this morning. A fresh season where you're inviting us To take that next step into health. To begin to put an all stop on the way we talk against ourselves. And Lord, we're going to need a lot of retraining in that. But we sense it in what Paul says here. To just kind of grow up and rise above that. So Lord, we want to grow into that. And begin to declare your truth over our lives regularly. May your face shine upon us, Lord. May you be with us this week as we step into this area Because we're probably going to mess it up multiple times. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, you just keep whispering. We just give you permission to say, nah, you don't get to say that about yourself anymore. And Lord, would you create in us a clean heart, one that can honor who you've called us to be and who we are. And we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.